This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the post-game edition. Not a fun day for Raider Nation. The Raiders shut out for the first time since 2014. They lost to the St. Louis Rams back then, 52 to nothing. Today, they lose to the New Orleans Saints, 24 to nothing. And we're here to not only provide analysis, but also provide you with some much-needed counseling after that one. A tough game to watch. And joining me, as always, on the post-game show, our good friend, the voice of the fan, which I am sure is going to, not on this show perhaps, but it's going to contain a lot of expletives around the world as Raider Nation's viewing in. That, of course, is Murph of Raiders Fan Radio, as well as Evan Grote of Just Pod Baby, part of the Sports Knot com family you can catch him on his podcast and on the website along with videos and all sorts of different things that he's doing we'll talk about that later but guys um not much to take away from this one except for anger and a lot of other feelings and morph as always we'll start with you on this one the raiders uh the, they had nothing going for them nothing went well the defense played terribly the offense killed the defense as well you're talking about the lowest total yards for an offense in the NFL this season through eight weeks. Uh, that's how bad it was today. Derek Carr was not good. The offensive line was not good. Devontae Adams, one catch for three yards. Darren Waller out again for the eighth time in 15 games. Um, boy, this just started off poorly when you heard about Darren Waller. And once they got on the field, Murph, it just didn't seem to go any way for the Raiders uh, to begin with. No, it was ugly from the start, you know, and, and unfortunately we saw the return of the negative body language, the kind of the, yes. the, the down posture of the Raiders and the demeanors on the sideline and the, the intensity. And like, I swear, man, like it, it's, it's really tough because as fans, like we're so intense as fans, like Raider nation, I mean, one of the most passionate, if not the most passionate fan base in all of football and our team isn't. And it's like, <laughs> it just doesn't line up and, it, and it's, you know, 
that's a tough thing to see. It's a t- it makes it a tough watch. You know, it's one thing if you're playing bad football, but when the energy isn't there, that, that makes it even that much worse. But I will say this, there's always a point in the year, unfortunately, always a point in the year, um, where I have to declare that the Raiders have officially relieved me of the burden of expectation for the season. <laughs> and here we are, eight weeks into it. Thanks, Raiders. Now all I got to do is just enjoy myself on Sundays. I don't have to worry about wondering if you're going to win or not, because you're not. So I'm just going to plan on, you know, maybe we'll see a new hooker in Vegas next year when we draft him. I don't know. Like we'll, 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 we'll see. It's, it's draft season, though, boy. Well, uh, Murph, that's strong coming from you because you were, I, I know you've been through all the years of, of, of heartache uh, and the good ones too. Uh, and so for you to, to, to be that in that stage uh, says a lot to me, but, but I tend to agree with you. And Evan, you get here, you know, we talked about last week, we saw the Raiders in that second half on offense sort of reach the expectation that we all had for them with those weapons, Sands, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, his second huge week in a row. Of course, you had Devontae Adams with a great game. You had Mac Hollins come along. He had a good day, actually, today, considering. Uh, but again, we sit here just before halfway through the season, and really any realistic chance of the Raiders making the playoffs uh, were were just completely blown away today uh, when they could not pass the 50-yard line, get into Saints territory until the last drive in the last minute of the game. Yeah, I actually have two drinks here, two beverages with me. One, I have... <laughs> I have a coffee to get me through the snooze fest of a game that was by the Raiders. And then my other drink, I have alcohol here to help me, you know, help Raiders fans ease the pain of that terrible loss. But uh, so I'll be dabbling in both of those. uh, See, Merce drinking with you too. Exactly. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, We needed to get through, but absolutely. You, you mentioned it just an absolute disappointment on on both sides of the ball all around. It was just a, a terrible performance for the Raiders. But for me, you know, previewing this game all week, you know, I look at the Saints defense, the 31st ranked defense in the NFL. They've been really bad. Uh, I thought coming into the game, this was going to be a high scoring game by both teams and Raiders offense completely laid an egg. So I, I know there's a lot of uh, finger pointing that goes on after a loss like this. To me, I think the the offense definitely shoulders more of the blame for this one. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, too, because we saw a lot of folks uh, uh, tweeting and talking about the game and really saying how bad the defense looked. And they did. Don't get me wrong. The defense did yeah. get gashed. Uh, Chandler Jones was not there again today. Even Max Crosby couldn't really get home against that the good side. He was facing the really good side of the New Orleans offensive line there. Um, and they just couldn't get coverage down. There was a couple nice plays. But other than that, this team just didn't find it. And to me, Murph, you talked about the body language and you talked about that after the loss in Nashville that you saw in person and you were watching the sidelines. And I saw the same thing today coming out there. It just seemed to be like this team had no emotion to start the game. It had no fire. Uh, Of course, you have to go back to the coach for that. To me, that's who sets the stage for this. But at the same time, you have a 10-year veteran franchise quarterback running your team. You have the running back who's had two amazing weeks in a row. And Josh Jacobs tried. He could not get it because they keyed in on that. And then the, the defense and the, excuse me, the offense could not adjust, could not get that passing game going. Um, I don't know what to say because you get to this point in the season. There really is nothing that you can say to say, well, maybe they just need a couple more weeks to get the system. By this point, you've had your bye week. You're at the middle of the season. It should be there now. 
Yeah, it looks like it's just coming down to execution even at this point. Yes. And then when it, w- without the, you know, the ability to recover, it's like if if it's like if the if the Raiders don't find that and I know we've had good second halves in this year, but it would seem like in this game, we'll just keep it to this game. They they start off with a, a he, DC's got a bad overthrow to Mac Hollins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then he overthrows uh, Cole running running deep down the field, uh, and then we allow Alvin Kamara to score for like the first time in like I don't know forever. Um, and so it's like we're like now becoming like other teams' get right game. Like a, hey, if if yeah, if you're the you know the second uh, uh, what their, their defense was allowing like the second most points in all the NFL this year, like hey, don't worry, just play the Raiders and then you'll get a shutout. Like let's let's go ahead and write that chip, you know. And so it's that's what gets frustrating. And and and, and so to your point, Scott, about the body language and the and the, the recovery and like and look, you don't have to be an expert in leadership or anything else to read that kind of stuff. Some things are universal when it comes to the culture of an organization. Okay. And it True. doesn't matter what institution you have, if it's a church, if it's a business, if it's a, a you know, a, a corporation, if it's a whatever, in this case, a football team, when you go down bad early on, and then it's, you just start, you get that give up that kind of looms over the team. I said this last week, and this is just, it blows my mind. I don't understand how we can make so many changes at so many different places within the organization and the results are the same. Mm. Like at least last year, there was no quit in this football team net today. I'm not going to say they quit. Cause I, that's, I, I think that's low hanging fruit to just mm-hmm. shout that out at a team, but it didn't look good. Raiders. I'll just tell you this your optics today were ass. Like, and, and when you look <laughs> at what the team went through last year, what were the optics? resilient they would fight yeah. they would battle and i would say this too and then and i know i'm kind of all over the place today but I, I, okay. I don't, I'm, in a, I'm in a glass case of emotion as, as robert <laughs> <laughs> you know i get why mark davis brought in mcdaniels and dave ziggler 100 i get it and i think we all endorsed it in the offseason but maybe now and i'm a i'm almost uh, like i always say i'm a fan of the raiders that are not the raiders that aren't but i will mm-hmm. say this would, could it maybe we'd be looking at one of the biggest mistakes of Mark Davis's um, career here as a Raiders owner in choosing to let Rich Pisaccia walk and send him Mike Mayock to the house? Like, because the, the culture of the organization last year was different. And look, you can you can plan on all the strategy in the world, yeah. but culture eats strategy for breakfast, as Simon Sinek famously says. So like, and the culture of this organization is just awful. Simon Sinek reference there. I like that one. I get that one. Hopefully everybody else does too. Uh, but you know, but I'm going to stay on that with a second free with you, Murph, because so, so I, the Basaccia thing, I, I always felt that Rich was uh, I'm obviously an amazing guy and kept that team together and deserves all the credit in the world for what he did. But I don't think, I didn't think he was a long-term head coach, but was some of that maybe born out of all of the adversity they had last year? And that's why they kind of stuck together and they persevered more Then they kind of take a breather and they go into this season, they have a new coach and knew this and knew that. And then it just fell away. But I think your question's a valid one. I think a lot of people are in the chat. I can see um, they are they're talking about it, and and a lot of folks agree with that. So so it's a valid point, Evan. Let me ask you this too, because you and I agree on this one. And I know a lot of people are going to say it was the defense's fault, it was Carr's fault, it was the offense's fault. I look at what the offense was unable to do. That offense could not move the ball, and and to me. Um, that's what doomed them. Yeah, we knew going into the season, by the way, to, to, to get back to Murph's point about expectations, we knew coming in that this defense was going to be iffy in spots. We knew it would be better in spots, we thought, with Chandler Jones coming in and the addition of Rocky Yassin and some of these other guys. Uh, Nate Hobbs obviously continues his career. He's out hurt. But 
the offense, there was a high, very high expectation. Most Raiders fans that I spoke to and even a lot of experts in the NFL said this is absolutely going to be perhaps a top five offense with the weapons they have. Waller falls out because of injury. We have the bad start to the season for the offense. Um, today, that defense couldn't get off the field, number one. And number two, it had no help. There was no complimentary football today. No, no, no. This was by far the, the worst of that we have seen. I mean, there's been a, a lack of complimentary football all season, but today it was at its worst. Um, but again, you know, going back to the offense, uh, I, I mentioned this was the 31st ranked defense of the Saints. And when you are a third ranked offense, which the Raiders were coming into this game, you got to put some points on the board and, and, and to get shut out by this defense is unacceptable without Marshawn Lattimore, their top corner. So to me, again, I'm not blaming Carr. He was under a lot of pressure all yep. game long. I mean, I, I think today we saw the offensive line really get exposed. I think for the first time this season, we saw the offensive line that many of us feared that the Raiders might have. Mm. And so, you know, I'm not here to put it on Carr because he didn't have a whole lot of time. It was just a collective failure on offense by everyone involved, including the head coach. Yeah, I agree with that. And I would tell you this too. And, and, and Murph, I'm going to get, cause this is going to be, I might get people upset with this one, but I look at the team now and I look at the offense. You cannot blame everything on one man. I guess you could blame it on Josh McDaniels. That's a different discussion. But when I'm talking about the players, but when I look at the offense, I looked at how Derek Carr played today for this team to finish above 500. They could only lose three more games, right? They can only lose three more games. The chances of that happening, I think, right now after what we saw today, very difficult. So at, at this point, I'm almost, I'm almost at the point where I'm like, you know what? You should let Derek explore other opportunities after the end of the year. You exercise out of that contract because I don't know what this team's going to do. This team is, it's not working on offense. It's coaching, it's players, it's execution to what you said earlier. But I think that's going to start sneaking into this conversation now because you got to start thinking about the future and maybe this team and clearly what Mark Davis and Dave Ziegler thought about this team by investing so much in extensions. They thought this team was ready to win now. It clearly is not. So if they determine that that's not just an issue with the coaching mistake that they made and they have to replace the coach already or at some point at the end of the season, um, then you got to start looking at personnel and saying, hey, do we have the right guys? And if we don't, you can't start with a 10-year quarterback because in three years when you get there, God bless Derek, but he's going to be gone. Uh, so if you look at that situation, it might be time to start thinking about this stuff. I think so. And, you know, you, you mentioned it's, it's hard to blame it on one person. We can't, you know – Yes, you could pin on Josh McDaniels to a certain extent. I mean, I don't think he set up Derek Carr very well today, no. running a jet sweep on third and one, and then following up that freaking you know rocket scientist decision to do that with a freaking you know with the onside kick and put your already struggling defense on a short field. Like, I mean, so you could you know we could definitely finger point there, but in terms of like the broader scope of your question, I, I and I've kind of felt like this for a minute until we you know had the the glimmer of hope in the in the Texans win. Um, and the third, you know, best offense in the league and all that. It, I think so. I think it's time to let, to walk away. Now, we're not going to get rid, you know, I, I, a lot of the, the folks that are in our little mini chat that are, that are around our show, you know, the one, everybody wants to fire everybody. And I'm sure in the chat room tonight, I can't read it. <laughs> everybody wants to fire everybody. They want McDaniels gone. Look, he's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. They're going to yes. let him, they're going to let him ride this thing out for probably a year or two or three. Um, but Derek Carr's not going to get let go midseason. Darren Waller's not going to get traded midseason. It's not going to happen before the deadline. There's too much dead cap on the books to do that. But what Scott's saying, at the end of the year, 
when we're now, okay, maybe we are, we are well, clearly we're going to have a high draft pick and we've got a, a full, you know, slate of picks coming up. We've got what, three in the seventh, two in the sixth. Like we've got a, a plus our, you know, one through four and a couple fives. Like we got a bunch of draft picks. So is it within scope for the Raiders to draft a quarterback in the mm. first round? I, 100%. And if you draft a quarterback in the first round, within the first five picks where we'll likely be, that you're going to expect that player to start. So where does that leave Derek? With very little dead cap money on the books. I agree. And sometimes it changes sceneries, but maybe this would just be best for Derek. Maybe yeah. it's just, you know, that whole growing up a Raider fan and the expectation of, you know, the, of, from what it was in Oakland and being brand new in Vegas and all that burden that has been on him, all that pressure that's been on him, man, maybe just let that stuff off. You know what I mean? Maybe he goes to a, a, a Detroit or so, I don't know, wherever, somebody that needs a quarterback. <laughs> and then maybe they're just like, kind of like, you know what I mean? And then you, Derek can just be Derek a little bit and not have the pressure of like, because it's like, I think he, because he, he, look, he's a good guy. He's a good human being. He's a good man, good father, good Christian husband. I mean, like everything, right? But like, maybe he's just like taking on too much. Maybe he's just like, because he wants it so bad that it just kind of hampers his ability to succeed. And it seems like when Derek's just like free flowing, that's when he's at his best. Or when we get that fiery Derek, that's when he's at his best. But for whatever reason, it seems like there's just, I don't know. Again, I'm not a psychiatrist and I don't want to, I don't want to try to judge the man, but I will just say optics of it, Derek, you know what I mean? The optics of it look like you could use a fresh start. Sometimes when we're 10 years into our job, we just need to move to a new place. You know what I mean? And and look, it happens. I mean, look what happened with Peyton Manning when the Colts were kind of done with him. He goes to Denver and look, unfortunately for Raider fans, what, what happened with, with Denver and Broncos in a Super Bowl victory. So, so it happens. And, And I think too, that you're in a situation, Evan, where, um, you know, he's been through so much with the organization. It's been a toxic environment at time. You had all this crazy stuff go on during his tenure there. Man, yeah, why wouldn't you want to try your you could say, hey, you know, if I believe in my abilities, I'm gonna go somewhere else. At the same time, couldn't you I could see him just retiring because I think he he yeah. has a good life with his family. He's happy with what he's doing. Uh, but certainly I just think you're now at that inflection point where unless this team does something completely extraordinary, which there's no indication that they can. Uh, that it's time to start talking about it. Yeah, I, I can't believe we're sitting here, to be honest with you, after after seven games talking about uh, what the offseason, you know? I mean, that's, yeah. that's crazy to me because I just, I don't think many Raider fans uh, expected this to be the case. Um, I will say, I will say one thing, in my opinion, while, while we're on the topic of, of next season, mm-hmm. um, I always felt like this team was still one year away. I, I know that we got really excited with the addition of Devonte Adams and, you know, everyone thought the offense was going to be just this, this great offense, which they were starting to look like that, uh, you know, last week, but this defense is still not anywhere near ready to be no. a, a contender. Um, even, you know, with the addition of, of Rocky Asin and Chandler Jones, again, we thought on paper, it, the defense looked okay, but you know, and, and deep down inside, I felt like maybe next year this team might be a little bit more ready to go. Give uh, McDaniel's and Ziegler another year to bring in more of the personnel that they want. I, I know Murph has talked a lot about the culture. Sometimes that takes time. Now, did I mm-hmm. think it was going to be this bad this early? Absolutely not. I thought they would be a little bit more competitive, but I think sometimes what what happens to Raider fans, and this includes myself, is we get a little bit excited <laughs> you sure. know when we get when we get good things like like Devonte adams and i think we forget that sometimes 
this this stuff well, takes time to come together. And, yeah, and, and that's nobody, what we're seeing right now. Right. And nobody loves their teams more than Raider Nation. And so I think that's why the expectation for me and Mo and I on the show talking about it leading into the year, uh, we thought, you know, 10 wins, 9, 10 wins, maybe 11 wins playoff team. Right. That was to me, it was an expectation you get in the playoffs again. Uh, and right now they're not even a playoff team. So you've you're going to be taking a step backwards. And to me, that's the key and why I bring up some of these players in the future. And in the chat, I've seen people say, well, then Adams will leave. Adams just signed a brand new contract. He's not going anywhere. So let's get that straight. Uh, secondarily, I think you now need to look at situations here and say, okay, you know, where are we, if we're going to retool a little bit, I mean, obviously the offensive line needs a ton of work. They're going to have to spend time, capital, money there. And if you do that, then the key is rookie contracts. And so that's where I look at the Derek Carr. Not because I think there's a better quarterback that I know of out there who's going to come in and this team's going to win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that right away. But what I am saying is you now have to make these tough business decisions. I think the Raiders made a mistake with Darren Waller in signing him this year. They could have waited till next year. We're seeing it now. I mean, I don't, I don't deny the guy's hurt. I'm not saying he's not hurt. I'm not saying he's lying. I had somebody today on Twitter say, do you think he's sober? Yes, I think he's sober. It has nothing to do with that. But to me, you're going to have a lot of decisions to make, uh, Murph. And now they're going to have more time to think about it because if you're at the point now where you're not going to be making the playoffs, it's going to be an early end of the season and you're going to start thinking about the draft already, then you got to start going through and saying, okay, who are we going to play the rest of this year? Who are we going to see what they have uh, so that we can make better roster si decisions as we get towards the end of the season. Yeah, I think so. And you, you know, you, you, I think that they were looking to win this year. I mean, I, yeah. I think they kind of went all in, like yeah. that's what it felt like. And that's where, you know, and so go coming off a 10 win, you know, season last year, it felt like, okay, here's the, here's the play. This is going to, you know, take us to that next level and, and maybe we'll make a run in the playoffs. And, you know, so it, it felt like that's what it was. So, I mean, you know, so yeah. So now at this point, like, yeah, we rebuilding like, and, you know, it feels like we're always in some sort of a version of a rebuild, but I think this is going to be a hard reset. I mean, you mm. can't, again, I mentioned when you got dead cap space, you know, you, you can't move on from those players and, and guys like Renfro guys like Crosby guys like Waller, those guys aren't going anywhere, but anybody that doesn't have a big dead cap number. Yeah. They're going to take all those 900 draft picks that we have last year, probably use it to, um, you know, to generate even more draft capital, potentially even start moving some people here now before the deadline and really start to retool and rebuild this thing. And, and last thing I'll say too, is that I, we know Mark Davis doesn't like to be embarrassed. We saw that when, when we lost to San Diego at the end of the season, when Michael Crabtree on the sideline and JDR and all that funky body language and all that stuff. And we got punked by the chargers. Those guys were gone right right away. It wouldn't surprise me if that rebuild that we're talking about starts soon. And I don't want to, you know, start calling names, but I will. Let's try to get a defensive coordinator that doesn't have the initials PG. Can we go for that? <laughs> like, let's not do any more PGs. And seriously, like, yeah. I don't hear enough Patrick Graham callouts on the yeah. Twitters. Yeah. I hear a lot of Derek Carr and a lot of these other things. But, like, really? Like, this dude, now he's, now he's looking at having three atrocious defenses that he's been responsible for in his four years as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Like, it ain't working. So let's go yeah, ahead yeah. and pull the plug on that experiment and move on while we still can. And, and I, and I, I, I really do. Wouldn't, I don't think Mark, Mark Davis would allow that the embarrassment of today mm -hmm. to not result in some, he's still his father's son. 
He's still a damn Davis, and he will pull the plug on a thing just to send a message to the rest of the organization. And I hope he does. And if it's not Patrick Graham, it's not Patrick Graham. But I wouldn't be shocked if, if we don't see some sort of movement of some sort at this point. Yeah, you, you bring up a really good point, too, which is that defense and what happened with it. Again, going into the season, my expectation was it was a work in progress, but it got better when they made the when they made the trade to Indianapolis. They got Rocky Sin back because they here's a guy who had had some injury issues, but he had a lot of potential. He's done okay in spots, but continues to struggle. Deron Harmon was a great signing, so Dave Ziegler hasn't batted a thousand, but nobody does, right? But the Chandler Jones thing hurts significantly. I I, I can't. I know we make yeah. fun of the Mel Carton and all that stuff, but it really hurts because he's just not able. He's not only not sacking the quarterback, but he's not containing either on the edge, and that's a big deal. As you saw today, New Orleans was killing us on the edge there, and so what ended up happening was uh, they were able to run all over the field and the Taysom Hill. They knew it was coming, but they couldn't stop it. They just could not stop it. Evan, you look at that defense. Uh, you agree with Murph on that one and that uh, Patrick Graham right now should be a guy who should be worried about himself. Yeah, I tweeted it today, and I think Murph even liked it. I, I see, a, I heard a lot of Twitter GMs out there telling me how great of a pickup uh, Patrick Graham was as a defensive coordinator. I mean, I, I didn't see it. I mean, I I, I wasn't in total agreement. I, I, there was a couple other guys that I would have liked to uh, have seen brought in as a defensive coordinator uh, over Patrick Graham, Wink Martindale being one of those guys. Uh, I mean, look mm. what the Giants defense is doing now. I mean, Patrick Graham oh. leaves and their defense is much better. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that Patrick Graham should should uh, deserve some of the blame for sure. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not sure that anyone's going to get fired here, but uh, right. definitely there should be under a microscope for sure. Wow, Murph. So let let's put a, a bow on this one uh, today with you. I mean, you know, it's 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 sort of one of those. And I know you guys on Raiders Fan Radio. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel and check out the show. You're going to break out the recliners this week, right? You'll be doing the therapy session, I would imagine. Oh yeah, we'll have the uh, we'll have the trust chicken in full effect here. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the chicken. When you've got the trust chicken, you're allowed to have the the, the podium and you're allowed to talk okay. and nobody can talk over you. So. There you go. By the way, the Halloween show was a blast. Uh, I enjoyed Perfect. it, so make sure you do it. Uh, but Murph, when you when you talk to Raider fans out there, I mean, there there are bright spots on this roster. They're underperforming. So to your point about uh, a rebuild uh, that that's going to probably be happening uh, coming this offseason, uh, how do you keep your heads high, though, if you're Raider Nation? What do you tell your fellow Raider fans tonight as they think about now and they think about the future of what Raider football is going to be. Well, you know, my son Vinny tonight or today, you know, he, he said, uh, you know, dad, he goes, our team may not be good, but we always have a good time. So that's what <laughs> I, always, I always tell Raider nation that, you know, like the enchiladas that I made that we had at halftime were on point. Like, like it's the getting together with your friends and family. It's celebrating this community of, of, of Raider nation. You know, we stay Raider nation is family and you know, La Familia is no joke, man. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it is that, and so that's what I do. I mean, I, I mean, I would never tell anybody else how to fan their fandom, but for me, I just really lean into the experience, um, whether that's staying part of a text group during the game with staying in touch with friends from a distance, or if you're sharing it, you know, at a tailgate, or we know so many of our good friends that went down to new Orleans to see the game live. As I know a lot of Raider nation was down there yes. but to me. That's what it just becomes about because the on the field product will let you down. So, you know, we're Raider Nation, hey, in our living rooms and our tailgates, we're undefeated. So just enjoy it, lean into it for, for what it is. And just, and I would say this, that like, because we don't have any expectation anymore, 
Like, just enjoy for what just it is. Fun. Maybe we'll ma- hey, let's beat the <laughs> Niners. Let's maybe beat the Chiefs. Like, let's go. Like, those are our Super Bowls now. So let's, like, lean into those things. And let's, you know, freaking drive the bus around to Legion after we beat them at home last week. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But also one thing I think that Raider Nation can do the rest of the season, and they've already done it with you, uh, and I, I would ask them to do it again because it's for an amazing cause, and that it is the One Nation Foundation Talk about where you're at. I mean, I was blown away. I was watching the show and the money you were raising just shows what a great group of people and a family that Raider Nation is. Talk about the One Nation Foundation. Talk about where you are. Let people know how much money you've raised because it's unbelievable for the Blitnikoff Foundation. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Yeah, so last week on our show, on our Halloween episode, we raised 1350 bucks, uh, r- uh, raffling off a signed Devontae Adams jersey. And 100% of that money uh, goes to the One Nation Foundation, which is our nonprofit that we uh, built around our show. Uh, once we realized we can make money with Raiders Fan Radio, we decided we wanted to give it all away. And so we give to nothing but Raiders-related charities, including the Bolitnikoffs. And so we are right at it. I'll just go ahead and call it now, and I'll announce it here on Silver and Black today for the first oh. time. We have hit our goal of uh, our original goal was $8,000, but we rocketed past that. We're going to write the Bolitnikoffs a check for $10,000. Wow. Uh, in December for the, uh, for Tracy Place of Hope and the Bolitnikoff Center of Hope. And so uh, that is, and look, we're just the knuckleheads with microphones in my bonus room. Like <laughs> this is our listening audience. Um, and, and we've had an incredible amount of support from, thank you, Scott, for the, the platform here. And the folks that, that listen to this show have come over to Raiders Fan Radio and contributed to it. And so, and we've heard from those folks. Um, we met with a guy this week a diehard Raider fan that lives in the same part of the world that we do and he's actually going to help us with the foundation and and uh and, and and he found us through this show so I can't thank you guys enough uh, everybody listening and of course Scott for giving us the platform and and yeah so we're looking forward to, to writing that check and uh and uh and celebrating Raider Nation so we can lean into that right because yes again that, that's good stuff right that so. you you are undefeated in that this year I mean you are winning <laughs> big time and that means uh, a lot of great folks including obviously the Blitnikoff Foundation and everything they do uh benefit from that that is huge okay that's much bigger than football so we thank appreciate that uh make sure you follow Murph on Twitter at underscore Murph M-U-R-F also go subscribe and hit notifications for Raiders fan radio. You got to watch them on YouTube. It is a fantastic show. It's, it's, it's just, I, I'm, I usually do it. I'm smoking a cigar on the patio. It's getting cold now. So I'm in the garage sometimes and I'm just busting up listening to the guys and, and, and they're having so much fun. They're having such a blast. Murph. Thanks, man. We will talk to you next week. Okay, appreciate it. Hopefully Bill Musgrave doesn't come out of retirement and want to come and beat us up like Dennis Allen and freaking Todd Downing did this Todd year. Downing, yes, I know. All right, brother, take care. Take care. All right, there you go. You have uh, Murph. Uh, we appreciate it. And just amazing stuff, uh, uh, Evan, that he's done with the, the charity, with the One, uh, the One Nation Foundation, excuse me. Um, just phenomenal work. And it shows exactly what uh, the fans of the Raiders and Raider Nation are able to do. Yeah, yeah, I actually I actually got on there and donated myself this week. So I nice. uh, was dragging my feet. I kept hearing Murph talk about it and talk about it. I said I better get on there and do it before it's too late. So I did. I gave him a, it wasn't a ton, you know, but I, I did I did uh add to that ten thousand hey. dollars. So I I hope it, you know, it helps the, the cause for sure. Every bit counts. It doesn't matter that's how right. much you give, as long as you give, that's fantastic. It all it all helps. So thank you guys all for that. All right. We're gonna step aside for a quick break when we come back. I'll be rejoined by Evan Grote of Just Pod Baby and then also David Stepanian, our correspondent here. You hear his great on the podcast, you hear his great game previews. He also produces our show. So he's gonna be with us too. We're gonna talk about this game and just get through 
what was a terrible 24 to nothing loss. The first time the Raiders shut out since 2014. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today, the post-game edition. Crying in your beer, wiping your tears away, throwing things against the wall, cursing. Josh McDaniels, cursing, whoever you're going to be cursing. Uh, you might be doing a little bit of that. Welcome back to the show, Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Scott Branson with you. And with me in the post game is Evan Grote. He is the host of Just Pod Baby, uh, part of the SportsNot.com family, which we are all here as well, myself and Mo. Uh, so welcome back to him. As well as joining us now from Las Vegas, David Stepanian, our ace producer and our correspondent, you can hear his game previews every week on our Thursday show. So thanks for being with us uh, back here, both of you guys. All right, so uh, let's dive in a little bit here. These stats, I mean, look, in a game like this, you could say don't even look at the stats, but 183 yards in total offense. Uh, previous to this, the Jaguars, I think one week had 187 yards in offense, was the worst performance of an offense in the NFL. Uh, I'll start with you, Evan. Um, this one, from an offensive standpoint, I think came out, Derek Carr again looked really flat just from the get-go, just did not look good. He had the 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 overthrow to Mac Hollins, who was wide open on the sideline. Uh, in that first first quarter that couldn't come couldn't grab the ball in he also uh wasn't helped by i thought which was a completely anemic and and frankly just perplexing um game plan to start the game the play calling was just awful so that combined just from the get-go put them on a bad foot yeah and, and to me this game felt very similar to and in fact i texted you about this during the game i had to go back and, and double check uh check the the dates 2019 week 12 versus the jets when they traveled east coast to the jets they lost 34 to 3 just came out completely flat in that one the following year same thing week 12 they traveled to atlanta that that year 43 to 6 and then last season it was week number 9 when they played against the jets last year and laid that egg 23-16 so this game to me had a lot of that same feeling to it where they travel east and that is something that i talked a lot about on my podcast this week was you know the raiders have had that issue in the past and it, it actually happened this week so I've, yeah you mentioned it they came out flat um, you know, I, again, I think Derek Carr was under a lot of pressure today. Um, he, he looked like he was holding the ball a little bit too long at times mm -hmm. to me as well. And, and you mentioned the play calling. I don't think uh, Josh McDaniels did a, a good enough job of adjusting after the defense of the Saints was you know, ma made an effort. You could tell their game plan was to not let Josh Jacobs beat them. But 
McDaniels never was able to counter that. There was there was nothing to do. Um, it was just a terrible performance by the offense. Yeah, David, they had a terrible sequence. Third down, they run a play, and kind of an end around doesn't work that Josh McDaniels seems to be in love with, uh, sort of like the crush I had in sixth grade, uh, can't let go. Uh, and then they follow that with a fake punt in their own territory, just in a really bad spot early in the game, down seven points. Um, can you make sense of that, David? I just don't understand. It's one of those things Mo and I always talk about on the show, and you know this from producing it, that sometimes smart guys get too smart for their own good. They think they know better than anybody, and nobody will know it's coming. But again, Josh McDaniels hasn't been able to pull these off. He does a fake punt, and I really think that that was a key moment in that first half and why they got down by more than three scores to start the game. Yeah, and it's really interesting you bring that up because um, in that package I made earlier this week, uh, using McDaniel's audio from a press conference, he talked about execution and executing is going to be key to winning today's game. And mm-hmm. they just didn't execute. I mean, you could kind of get hints here and there in his press conferences, what he's going to do. And he, he likes to um, gamble a little bit at times, but this season they just haven't been executing and that's been really biting them in the ass a little bit. Yeah. I think uh, uh, big time. Go yeah. Ahead, no, going. Yeah, it's it comes down to execution, and McDaniel's just hasn't delivered this season. You can also put some of the blame on Carr for kind of getting in these situations, uh, overthrowing a little bit at times. But yeah, it, it comes down to execution. The team just didn't get it done on the field today. Yeah, and it's interesting too. I'm seeing some in the chat. I'm going to read this too. Joseph Torres said, "Completely disagree with you." Moving on from Carr, Mariota would have had a terrible game. First of all, hey Joe, I didn't say anything about Mariota, by the way. Uh, I didn't <laughs> say he was the answer and didn't bring him up. But I'm not sure where you're getting that from. Uh, this net performance is not on the QB. He literally had no time to throw. Absolutely, as Evan brought up at the beginning, we agree with you. Uh, he was under pressure, but he also underthrew the ball again. The terrible interception was not. Yeah, there was pressure there, but again. He, he's been doing it all season, too. It has not been something that just happened today. So it's not the, – the point of moving on from Derek Carr, by the way, is not just about his performance, but it's about his contract. It's about where he's at in the contract based on the performance and where this team has to go. So I know that sounds weird. It's not just me saying throw out Derek Carr. It's Derek Carr, you have an out in his contract, okay, and are you, is he going to be here in four years when you're going to be good again if you have to rebuild this roster a little bit? The answer is no. So if that's the case, then you might as well move on now and get an earlier start. That's the point I'm trying to make. But I appreciate your comment as well. Uh, and the O-line does stink, as you mentioned. So, uh, But, but um, as David mentioned, Evan, the execution here, and, and Mo and I have talked a lot about this on the, on the weekly shows uh, since the beginning of the season and the slow start, which is, we saw in the preseason this team execute perfectly. They didn't have penalties. They come out last week against Houston after kind of a lackluster first half. They really picked it up. They had no turnovers last week, right? So they And the penalties were low. And then they come right back and revert. And to me, the concern I have with that is when you have a lack of execution and you see a team revert back to an earlier stage in the season, um, yes, it's on players, but to me, that's around culture, attitude, practice, every game plan, everything you're putting in, because there's you should have incremental improvement every week, not the reverse. 
Yeah, and we've heard McDaniel say that. He hopes to be playing his best football towards the end of the season. Well, we're about halfway through the season right now, and we have not really seen any noticeable improvements other than a pretty good fourth quarter last week by the Raiders offense. It's been a lot of inconsistency all season long. And, and you know, when is it going to start to turn around? I mean, I know they were scoring a lot of points. And, you know, so you look at the points being scored and you're like, well, well you can't complain about the offense. But, you know, you can't come <laughs> out. You can't come out and lay an egg today. You can't do it. It's just, you know, I don't even know what to say anymore about it because it's completely unacceptable to be shut out by the 31st ranked defense. And I know I keep saying that I sound like a broken record, but um, <laughs> when you don't cross the 50 yard line until late in the fourth quarter, I mean, yeah. that's a joke. That's, that's a complete joke. So, um, and yeah, I, I think when you talk about um, lack of improvements, it's, it's definitely falls on the head coach. He has not done a good enough job. There's, there's no doubt about it. He's been a major, major disappointment this year. Well, and David, um, we talk about the offense. No, the offense is not just Derek Carr. It's the offensive line. Offensive line was trashed today, as our friend Kelly Kreiner, who was in New Orleans to see the game. Poor guy. Um, they they were. They were trashed. They looked terrible, okay? There's no doubt about it. They did not protect Derek Carr. At the same time, though, they were going against a really good defensive front. So I know what Evan's saying about where they ranked overall in defense, but on the front, they're pretty good. And so I think that that's what you saw is you saw an offensive line that re that had some uh, that reverted back to where it was, but also playing a better defensive front than Houston was. And that mixed together. But I, I just I'm getting to the point with Derek Carr where the argument's got to end. And I think that's just you got to move on for his sake and for the team's sake, because a nine year veteran should not be making those mistakes. He just shouldn't even under pressure. It shouldn't happen. It just shouldn't happen. What do, what's your what's your thoughts, uh, David, on that offense, what you're seeing overall and why it just can't get together? Well, it, it's something Mick Lombardi talked about earlier this week. Um, was how crucial Josh Jacobs was going to be uh, to to kind of be a key to winning this game. But uh, that's something the Saints defense recognized. And this was a game that the Saints had to win also. Let's not forget, at three wins, they're right in the thick of things uh, in the AFC South. So the Saints knew this was a must-win game for them as well. Uh, however, yeah, as Evan keeps saying, they, the Saints have the second-worst defense in the league uh, they were allowing 35 points per game the past three games before this. <laughs> um, no, the, ex the the offense had to come out, but that offensive line was atrocious. Uh, Jacobs couldn't – I think he had one good opening in the first quarter, and he picked up maybe six or seven. Offensive line didn't help. It didn't do any favors for DC or JJ. Yeah, uh, no question about that. And I think that you have a situation, too, where – um, there's a lot of underperformance. There's a lack of execution. There's a lack of uh, cohesiveness. What, what I don't buy, though, again, a lot of you, and I see people in the chat, the change, new system, new this, new that. Come on. There's a lot of other teams that had a lot of change, had coaches, changes, players, and guess what? They're winning. So, so to me, I think what happened a lot, Evan, too, is that I think some of this talent that the Raiders have and went out and got has not panned out, just plain and simple. Now, is that Josh? Is that um, Ziegler's fault? Dave Ziegler's fault? No. Is it Josh McDaniel's fault? No. Okay. His his play calling, what he's done from game planning perspective, that's on him. The rest of it, I think, fans in general, and I think actually analysts across the league too, have overplayed this roster and how good it yeah. can be. 
and that some of these players are marginal at best, and you're seeing that. So the excuses about new schemes and this and that, I don't want to hear it because Brian Dable's not having that problem. Yeah. Uh, others are not having that problem. So what's their excuse? Yeah, no, you make a great point. And I, and I'm, you know, I make that excuse for this team a lot. I always say, oh, this stuff takes time, but I mean, we're, we're headed into week eight here. I mean, how much longer takes time? Yeah. A play here, yeah. a, a half here right. and there, a, a game right. here and there. I agree with you. Right. Right. I mean, it, it's gone on too long at this point. I mean, I, I can no longer use that a, as reason to be perfectly honest with you. And I think, I think you're right. I think a lot of these players they brought in, you look at Chandler Jones. He's a perfect example of this. Yes. He is a hall of famer. He has been one of the best pass rushers in the NFL over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years. But if you look back at what he did last season, I mean, he had five sacks in that first game and only had five sacks the rest of the, the, the next 16 games of the yeah. year. So you, you can look at that and say, you know, was that a good signing? The, the signs were there that there was a possible decline happening. They go out and throw $17 million at him, and he's still, you know, what, half a sack on the season. And you mentioned Darren Waller. He's missed eight games out of his, his last 15, I believe is what you said. So there were some signs there with him as well that maybe the injuries were starting to take a toll on him. What did they do? They go out and throw more money at him as well. So there might be a little bit of an evaluation issue right now with, with Dave Ziegler. Yeah. And, and again, you know, he's he hasn't been a, a GM before, David. And so I'm not expecting him to hit on every player. I think he's missed already on a couple We've seen it. I thought, and I don't know if the extension for Waller was pushed by Davis or not, but again, on this show, Mo went to bat and said, look, and I agreed with him, you could have waited a year. So I think this team is in a precarious position, which is why I bring up the car situation and some others with contracts, because it's going to have to find money. Now, the, con the, the, the cap goes up again right next year, so they'll, they'll recognize some more money there as well. But when you look at how things have gone so far this season – uh, you can't help. I mean, everybody owns responsibility. It's not just on one person. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting a whole lot to go down with the with the trade deadline coming mm -hmm. up. But once we head into the offseason, uh, this is a team that's going to have a pretty high draft pick. Uh, you can only hope that they don't misfire on the draft again this year. Uh, the draft has been notorious for the Raiders. Um, we Ziegler is still pretty fresh. So, you know, there's still some hope for optimism there, but with the salary cap going up, as you said, uh, that Waller extension was a little bit of a misfire. So uh, working with the salary cap, you're already looking ahead into the off season at this point. So mm -hmm. look at who you want to extend. Josh Jacobs is in a contract year two, and he's been kind of having a career year. So where do you, go from here um I, you you kind of look at what you have now and try to focus on next season is it time to maybe start fire sailing the team i don't think so mm -hmm. but that's a decision ziegler is going to have to make yeah and he made he made the decision already this past off season to keep their core players the veterans and spend a ton of money and anthony ruiz in our chat up on youtube hey anthony says over a hundred million dollars spent on our offense just to put up zero points Coach and car are the problem. Defense needs money spent on it just as our offense. So I agree. You have to spend uh, on both sides of the ball. You have to win in the trenches. And right now, two of the worst spots for this Raiders team are in the trenches, the offensive line yeah. 
and the defensive line. And I think that's part of the problem. All right, we're going to step aside and take our next break. When we come back, the guys and I are going to talk about what's next. What might we expect? David mentioned the trade deadline. Will the Raiders be active? Now they might be more sellers than buyers. We'll talk a little bit about that, as well as what we can expect coming up this week uh, in the Darren Waller saga as well. You're listening to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. If you don't already subscribe... Please do us a favor, wherever you listen to us, uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button and also turn on auto download. That way, every time we put out a new episode, you will get it pushed right to your device so you can listen to us. If you're watching us on YouTube or wherever you're watching us, please hit subscribe, hit the notifications bell. So anytime we have a new video, you will be notified. We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll close out the postgame show. Raiders 24 to nothing. Losers to the New Orleans Saints here on this Sunday. We'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We all know baseball is a long season. I'm Brett Boone from the Brett Boone Podcast. This summer, take a trip down memory lane with me and hear from the legends of the game. So far this year, I've had conversations with Randy Johnson, Pete Rose, Deion Sanders. Plus, every week we look at the state of Major League Baseball, which teams are exceeding expectations, which ones are struggling to meet them. Follow and listen to the Brett Boone Podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. Silver and Black today here, post-game edition. The Raiders 24 to nothing. Losers in New Orleans down at the Caesars uh, Superdome. A lot of Raider Nation in attendance. Sorry to all of you uh, that you did not get to see your team win uh, as uh, the Raiders moved to 2-5. and 2-5. And, and so, guys, that's where I want to ask the question now. Uh, of course, we know our good friend and my co-host, Mo Moten's covering the league tonight, and then we'll be on big-time duty tomorrow watching for the trade deadline, which happens tomorrow, I believe, at 5 p.m. or 1 p.m. I can't remember which one. I think it might be 1 p.m., uh, but he'll be watching all of that, and a lot of teams could be active depending on where they're at. The Raiders now, guys, move into a situation where playoffs are way, way way down the list of what they're going to be thinking about as far as uh, goals for the year sitting at two and five. Uh, and as such, I know, David, you said before the break, you don't expect them to be active so much, but maybe they could be sellers of some positions that we saw Jonathan Hankins shipped off to Dallas to what, last week. Uh, when you look at this team now and where it's at and what assets it has, players that do have some value Evan, is there anybody you see with where they're at now uh, that you could find on that trade wire come tomorrow afternoon at one o'clock? Well, listen, I'm not saying they should do this, but I was thinking about <laughs> it. Um, it's not something I spent a lot of time thinking about, to be yeah. honest with you. No, but, of course, uh, you don't want to think about last that. Last five minutes, I've been thinking about it. Right. What about Josh Jacobs? I mean, he's a guy they're not really tied to for next year. Um, I don't know if, if there's a, any kind of cap hit because I, I, I don't know. I'm not a capologist, but um, he's, he's played well this season and I have seen 
there's been other teams who have been in the market for a running back. When Christian McCaffrey was was talked about as you know being on the market, there was a lot of teams contenders, the Bills being one of them, who were you know in talks possibly being interested. Now you're hearing Elvin Kamara is possibly being a guy who's on the trade block. Uh, so you're hearing some running backs that are available. Josh Jacobs is is arguably one of the Raiders' best players right now. I'm not saying they should do that, but mm-hmm. he's something that might be able to bring back something decent in return. I mean, if they were to do that, I mean, this offense would may completely fall apart. They, they'd have to be 100% sure that they are not going to make the playoffs if they're going to make a move like that. But, you know, he's one of the guys that I think he's going to he, – he can, he can negotiate a new contract with the new team. So I think that could make a little sense um, from a trade standpoint. Well, you bring up a good point because at two and five, the Raiders, I think it's less than a 4% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, and I said la- last week it was like 18% uh, sitting at two and four. So it just continue to continues to go down. And, and, and I think starting this off as poorly as it started this run, these two games on the East Coast are staying on the East Coast in Florida all week. Um, I think you look at that because you're right. He's a walk. I mean, he can walk away after the year because they declined the fifth year option unless they do something uh, to, to stop it. But I think, yeah, he's got that value. And David, there's some teams out there who wouldn't mind renting a guy uh, for a playoff run. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe working to sign him. But even if they don't, if you're working to get into the playoffs and make a championship run, uh, you might want to consider that. And I wouldn't say, I know fans will not be happy about it, but I, I would consider Josh Jacobs. What about you, David? Uh, well, I bought a Josh Jacobs jersey a few days after he got drafted, <laughs> so I would hate to see him go. As a season ticket holder, that's the jersey I wear every every game day. Uh, <laughs> so I would hate to see JJ go. And I've and I've interviewed him a couple times at the Battle for Vegas charity yep. baseball games. Uh, he's a great. I, I I love JJ. Big fan of the guy. I don't know if we'll see a big name like that get traded at the deadline. I would personally hate to see him go, and I know he's a fan favorite. Uh, but, yeah, with that, it makes a lot of sense how you guys bring it up with that contract ending. And I know that the way he's played this year, I think he's about as valuable as he's ever been through his yeah. career for a yeah. trade. Yeah. So I think, Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think it would make a lot of sense. You'd get a lot in return for him. I don't see it happening, but that, that probably is a name that could make a big splash if they were in the market for him. Yeah, I, I, I would look where you're at. Unless you really are planning on signing him next year and have, made, have had conversations, whether they have or not, I don't know. We're not privy to that, of course. But I would, Evan, I think you bring it up. It's a great point. We'll have to think about that as we go through the year. But he's the most valuable player that you can ship on the team currently. Uh, and so you're in mode if you want draft capital. Uh, I, I wouldn't even want a player in return. Just give me draft picks, man. Just give me draft picks because right now you're deficient in a lot of areas you're going to have to address this coming offseason uh, as I would do that. Now you look at the rest of this team. I mean, you look at players who've had injury issues. Um, you know, a guy that we haven't talked about because everybody he's universally liked and, and everybody wants to see him do well. He got his money in the offseason as well. And that is Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, not involved in the offense either as much. Um, Evan, what are you seeing? Why aren't we seeing Hunter Renfro targeted more, especially with Darren Waller out last year when Darren Waller went out with the injury? Uh, we saw Hunter Renfro have his best weeks, right? He came in and really exploded. That's not happening this time. No, and it's and it's actually a, a big surprise because, well, for multiple reasons. Number one, he's had some really good seasons coming mm-hmm. into this this current season. And when you look back at the history 
of slot receivers in a Josh McDaniels offense, they've normally been very successful. If you think back to Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, just to name a few, they've been focal points in Patriots offenses. And, and so I, I think most people thought Hunter Renfro was going to be really, really involved. And, you know, he's dealt with some injuries. I think that has been a part of the problem for him, but um, you know, just, just not, not a factor. And, and so I'm not so sure if it's, McDaniel's just not dialing up, dialing up plays to get him involved or is mm. Carr missing him. You know, um, I'm not one of those tape grinder kind of guys, but I, I do know one thing. He's a, he's a big time weapon and he's definitely not involved enough. So uh, especially in the game, like you mentioned, Darren Waller's not active. He he's a playmaker, get him involved. Mm -hmm. I think today, look, I'm looking at the numbers, one catch on two targets. I mean, I mean, I know everyone offensively had a bad day, but you know, this has been a trend now this season. I don't, think uh Renfro is nearly involved enough as, as he should be no and and David the other thing too is you the Devontae Adams thing today as well too I mean one catch three yards uh five targets total um I don't understand I mean we had the problem at the beginning of the year where we talked to Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels and they said yeah we got to target our best player uh when you see the Chiefs play there's not a game that goes by where you see Travis Kelsey targeted three times or get one reception. Now, they, people have shut him down, and he has limited games. Everybody does. Sometimes matchups don't favor you. Um, but I, in some ways, I think that's the most unforgivable thing, is you have a guy like Devontae Adams, top two, top three wide receiver in the NFL, and you're not even throwing the ball to him. Now, again, Carr was under pressure. You understand that. But then it's up to the coaching to adjust the game plan. you got to go to quick slants. you got to do something to get the ball out fast. And we didn't even see that with Devontae Adams today. No, and I think this just goes back to Renfro and Adams combined for, what, two catches for nine yards. Uh, you could say every team has games like this every season, and the Saints aren't as bad of a team as their record dictates. Uh, they're a team who's lost four of their five within one possession. And the Raiders are in the same boat, too. They've lost a lot of close games this year that they were winning last year. The fact of the matter is uh, DC and, and, and Devontae – they had history at Fresno State. We thought the chemistry was already there. Uh, not playing in the preseason at all might have hurt these two a little bit. Mm. And I think that it's it's really disappointing. Not very many people saw this coming, especially we saw the chemistry there. These two have known each other for years. Um, he, neither of these guys are making big plays like they used to. And it's kind of and it's kind of befuddling. I don't know where these two go from here. Uh, every week, you you kind of know Devonte Adams has the talent. Mm -hmm. He can be a big playmaker. But you're right that that play at the end of the Chiefs game was embarrassing. There's no other way to put it. Uh, it's just not what we paid big money for. And to see this happen, you 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 couldn't look. I'm an odds guy. I could have never predicted. I could have never predicted this. No, no one thought a, a two and five uh, start to the se season was going to was going to happen. Uh, but that's where we are now. Again, uh, thanks for listening to all of us uh, here on Silver and Black today. By the way, guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you don't already do it. The chat in YouTube has been going crazy. I can't even keep up with it as well. Uh, but but uh, you can imagine what's going on over there. But thank you guys all for watching as well. We will also be back on Tuesday. 
with Mo and myself uh, to do our last, as we always do on Tuesday during the first segment, kind of our last assessment and analysis of the game in addition to uh, any news and roster information going on. Evan, when you look at uh, Josh McDaniels, we talked about it earlier in the show uh, and throughout uh, and, 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 the fact that he's been disappointing. There's no question about it. Uh, a lot of people had concerns. To be fair to those folks who were raising the bell, I kind of poo-pooed that a little bit, saying, well, guys, come on, that was a long time ago. Give the guy a shot. Well, through seven games, the sample size isn't that great. Uh, <laughs> My kids are just intruding to the basement. I'm sorry, I love Scott. It, man. It's okay. It's, ha- it's happened to me, too, so don't worry about it. Um, that's good. They're, they're not. Uh, they're, I just they're, shoot them away. Don't worry. That's right. They're, they're angry, too, because the Raiders lost. But their mom's a Bills fan, so they're all happy with mom. Um, but uh, you look at the Josh McDaniels situation, and, and look, I agree with you. I don't think, as much as I see people in the chat would like him gone tomorrow, I don't think uh, unless they lose three or four more in a row, then I could see maybe uh, a change happening immediately. But I think I think Josh McDaniels makes it to the end of the year and gets another year no matter what happens. Um, but I, I think they might need to do what they did with Nathaniel Hackett and insert somebody. They might need to give him, and he could save face by hiring an advisor or something like that. But clearly what he's doing to prepare this team with his defensive coach, Patrick Graham's doing, it's just not working. It's just not coming together. Something has to change. You can't continue to do the same thing and expect different results. Yeah, you know, I, I sure hope they don't fire McDaniels. Listen, I'm not... I'm not saying he isn't part of the problem, but I, I don't think firing the head coach uh, after you know half a season or even three quarters of, of a season or even at the end of the year, I don't think that is the answer. We know that lack of consistency at the head coach position has been a major problem for this organization. I would like to see them stick it out with McDaniels, and I hope that is what happens. But again, if you want to look to address the defensive coordinator, I think that would be a place to start if Mark Davis feels that a, a change is necessary i think you got to look to the defensive coordinator first again i think the head coach needs a little bit more time get the guys in you know turn that roster over completely uh you know so i i think you make a great point about what they what they've done with nathaniel hackett in the uh in denver maybe get him an advisor someone that he could you know bounce some ideas off of during the game maybe help with some game management uh situations so i again i don't think you'll see a change at the head coach no, and uh, Raiders now uh, two and five are last in the AFC West. The Broncos won in London against the Jaguars today, who the Raiders will face next week in Florida. Uh, so we'll see how that all happens uh, with uh, the AFC South. The Jaguars are at two and six, so they are on the same trajectory as the Raiders. Uh, I would have never thought that the Raiders and Jaguars would meet in week nine and have basically the same record. Uh, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. Uh, but when you look at that and and you look at the possibility of maybe some sort of change coming, if that's what they deem, uh, I don't know. I think I think you're still early. You got a couple more weeks before you get past that halfway point and you say, David, that, boy, you know, we got to do something. Uh, but playoffs are not on the table anymore. They just aren't. If you think this team's going to make the playoffs, um, you might be smoking out a little too much because I, the statistics are just so far against it. And I don't see there's nothing that I've seen in the character of this team that says they can rally and go on a historic run. That said, um, what other opportunities could they could they implore, David, to get better uh, bef- between now and the end of the season? Look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. A few days ago, I thought the playoffs were kind of on the table. Uh, no, the Raiders I did too. were coming I did too. in. I agree. The, 
the Raiders were coming in as a favorite today. Yeah. <laughs> they were a two point favorite to win this game. And I look at their schedule ahead and I, and I think, Oh, there's some games they could pick up here and there. Uh, the Jaguars are two and six, but again, this is a team that I kind of feel like they're better than their record. They've lost a lot of close games and Trevor Lawrence kind of got in the way of this team this morning. Uh, the, both of these teams have lost a lot of one score games, but going ahead to the end of the season. Um, yeah. I think they can still win a couple of division games. You, you could maybe beat the chiefs at home at the end of the year. I think fans will be, ha- that's like our playoff game at this point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I don't think, they lose out. I don't think this is the end of the season. Like they're, they're going to be as awful as they were today. I think the saints were in a good spot at home in a division that they can still win. So this was just going to be a tough game for the Raiders coming in. Well, at and, 10 and Pacific. yeah, the 10 AM start and all that stuff that, that would explain a, a sluggish start, but, but to not score points at all, with the tools you have on offense, I, I forgettable. And I, and look, yeah. it, it would behoove me to say, to, to be more optimistic like you are, David, as far as, because for this show, right. To be more successful, it, it's obviously better when things are going well, same for, for Evan's show. Right. I mean, we all, yeah. when things yeah. are going well, people are happier and believe it or not. Yes. People want to uh, commiserate when things are bad, but I just don't see it. I, I, I was fooled last week and this week, I thought, yes, I agreed with your statement, David, this team is better than its record. And I saw all the the NFL pundits around the league saying they only, they've lost by less than six points. They started the broadcast during that, but you know what? Sometimes you're just losers and you can't win and you don't pull it together. Yeah. Sometimes you do because you have the talent. I just don't see anything. No, I'm not, this team will not quit. I don't think they will quit because I think they're professionals. I think for the most part, most of these guys have good character, but I just think that something is not melding. Something is not cohesively uh, binding this team together enough for them to accomplish what I think they can based on the talent level. And I think some of the talent was over-evaluated. Look, I, I don't think they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. They have well, they are, wins. though. I, Their record says they are. No, I, I don't think when you look on paper, <laughs> statistically, I don't think that they belong near the bottom of the league. Mm. But you look at the next few Fair weeks – they play the Broncos, they play the Colts, they play the Jags. These are some games that they could compete in and they could win. Every year, the Raiders have this awful game. This happens once a year yeah. at least. <laughs> Today was that game, I think. I don't expect I – I think last year we had a couple bad games against the Chiefs too. Uh, but I don't think that they end this season with maybe four, four wins, 13 losses. I think they're a little better than that, and I think hmm. they can pick – they can still pick up some wins moving ahead. There, there were some bright spots against the Texans last week and the Chiefs a few weeks ago. Yeah, the playoffs are a foregone conclusion at this point, but I right. don't think that they finish near the bottom of the league. I think they still win a few games this so, year. So you don't think they'll be bottom five? I don't think they'll be bottom five. No, okay. I think I think they could pick up a few. We're only halfway through the season. Right. They have what eight games left? Yep. Ten. Nine games left. Ten. Yep. Ten, ten games. Yeah. Games 10 games left. Yep. Yeah, I, I think they, they win. I, I don't think they lose 8 out of 10 or 7 out of 10. I think they do a little better than that. I just think today is one of those awful games that the team just didn't click. I think David's p- point to the, the Saints being in a, you know, a really good spot. You know, 
he mentioned their backs are up against the wall. And if you look at their division, this is something that I, I spoke to um, Luke Johnson. He covers the the saints for the new Orleans advocate. He was the guest on my podcast. And he, he talked about the feeling in the, in the saints locker room is that they still got everything they want to do right in front of them. I mean, their division is, is, pretty lowly right now if yes. you look at the standings yeah, so yeah. i think they're uh, they leading felt, the division now right i believe now they are so so and this is a team and scott you mentioned it they have good players on their defense they have not performed well to this point which i guess maybe the 31st rank can be a little bit deceiving they do have some good players there they have not done a good job stopping the run this year and they have not gotten after the quarterback well this year those are two things that they did really really well today was get after the quarterback four sacks and they completely shut down that raiders run game and that was without um one of their best players on defense marcus uh Lattimore. So, um, you know, this team is a lot better, I think, than their record showed. But again, you you can't sit here and make a lot of excuses for this Raiders team. They have not performed well enough offensively, was a disappointment today. And and defensively, they didn't get enough stops either. No. And, and, and I see what you're saying. I mean, and I don't disagree. I think, I think you are what your record says you are, but at the same time, do I think the Raiders are going to win three or four games? No, I think they'll win more than that. To your point, David, I think, I think six, seven wins is certainly within the realm of possibility when we thought maybe they were going to win 10 or 11. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and if you get on a little run, you can do that. So, so I, I don't anticipate that they'll do that. If they can get everybody back healthy, if Darren Waller comes back healthy and they can do it, it's just pretty bleak right now. So I think fans are going to have a hard time until they actually, they got to prove it, right? They got to go out and actually win some football games and play four quarters, which they've been unable to do the entire season through eight games. They have not played a full game. They just have not. Um, They've been lucky like last week where they put together an incredible half and were able to score a ton of points. So we'll see how that all works out. But uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, and and we'll be here to talk about it. So David uh, Stepanian, you can hear him on our show as our correspondent, also as our producer. David, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on. All right. That's David. And Evan, you can find him at Just Pod Baby. You can find his work also, too, on SportsNotch, which will be increasing. Evan, tell them what you're going to be doing now at SportsNot besides bringing over the podcast uh, Just Pod Baby there as well. Yes, uh, I'm back home with, with sportsnot.com now, so you can find the, the podcast with them. Search Just Pod Baby on all the major podcasting platforms. Make sure you subscribe. And uh, just last or this past week, I was hired as a segment producer uh, with sportsnot.com. So I'm going to be producing video segments um, across all sports. So I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm passionate Raiders and NFL fan, but I've, I've also got a lot of passion for other sports as well. Now I get to cover those, those sports as well. And we got our first two segments coming out this week. We've got a, uh, uh, college football preview with the Tennessee Georgia game, that big time game that's coming up next weekend. And we got a college basketball preview. So if oh. you got any college basketball fans out there, yeah, the season starts in just about a week. So um, I'm a big time Kansas Jayhawks fan, national champs last oh. year. So uh, yeah, be on the lookout for some of that stuff. I'll be tweeting out all the work being done over there at sportsnot.com. So you might see some things other than Raiders football on my Twitter. David and I, as alma mater, used to be a basketball school. That was back in the yes. days. That was <laughs> back in the days. That was long uh, ago. Yeah. Too long ago. Uh, but all right, Evan, make sure you follow him at egrope5 as well as check out his work 
on sportsnot.com. All right, that's going to do it for this postgame show. We appreciate you, everybody, being with you. And for those of you chatting, even if you disagree, totally fine. You want to attack people, you're gone. That's just the way it is. We don't put up with crap on the channel. Uh, but most of you, even if you're critical of us, got no problem with that as well. So thank you guys for all being there. Make sure you subscribe on the YouTube channel. Just hit subscription and then hit the notifications bell. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify. You can even say, hey, uh, Echo on Amazon or Alexa, play Silver and Black today. And guess what? She'll play it for you. So make sure you uh, subscribe wherever you'd like to. We certainly appreciate that. Turn on auto download. That way all of the shows are pushed to you there. We will next talk to you on Tuesday. The podcast will be available first thing Tuesday morning. Mo Moten and I back to put a bow on this stinker of a game for the Raiders. They're 24 to nothing losers to the New Orleans Saints. Record falls to two and five. Now last place in the AFC West behind the Broncos who sit at three and five. For David Stepanian, Evan Grote, and Murph from Raiders Fan Radio, I'm Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Take care, everybody.